Whether you're picking and grinning or just picking or just grinning, grab a drink, pull up a seat. It's time for Roots Music Rambling. Turn it up. So, uh, what are you doing June 13th? Um, well, I just found out that I have plans that night. Um, yeah. Yeah. These really cool people that I know, they, um, they <laughs> surprised me with, um, tickets to see Tyler Childers. That's right. At United Center in Chicago. I cannot believe it. And, yeah. The location of the seats, like, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, so I let me can't. tell you how that. Let me tell you how that happened. Okay. So the the for for those of you listening out there, um, I had this idea. I'm going to sign up for Tyler Childers, the Ticketmaster lottery bullshit, and uh, and I'm going to do it in Chicago. And if I get the tickets, then Karen and I are going to invite. Uh, Francesca and Tom to go with us. So it'll be kind of the roots music rambler, you know, night out at Tyler. And um, so I get on the, uh, this happened yesterday. And so I get on the the queue and there's like 3,200 people ahead of me. And I'm like, well, United center seats, a lot of people. I'm, I might be good here. Yeah. However, I learned my lesson from doing this thing, this, this ticket master lottery with Taylor Swift tickets for my daughter, which is a bad comparison. I know, but, um, I used to, for, for those tickets, for the Taylor tickets, which I did not get, I would find, you know, two or four seats, however many I was looking for on the seating chart. And then I would click on it. And then by the time I got to the purchase, they were gone. So I learned my lesson there on the Tyler tickets. I looked over on the column on the right hand side oh, and just yeah. saw the, the sections that I liked and just clicked. And in me, I just, I did it fast. Well, Here's where Ticketmaster gets you. If you know what you're doing and you do it fast, you've got that sense of urgency, like I have to move quickly. So I just clicked on anything that didn't start 200 or 300 because I wanted to be in the lower bowl of the mm -hmm. arena. So I saw one that was under 200, clicked, purchased the tickets, and they're in section two on the floor, the fifth row back on the second section. So like i I had to like mortgage my house to pay for these things. Oh my but, goodness. Uh, I yeah. feel so, so awful. No, you don't feel I'm the one who splurged. That's my fault. That's not your fault. All right. So the four of us uh, in Chicago will be seeing Tyler Childers uh, from probably 20 or 30 feet from the stage. So. Which I cannot even believe. The first time I saw Tyler, I was like 20, 30 feet away from him. But we were in a venue that was like um You were the you were the back of the room, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. The venue was like this big. And I, I paid twenty five dollars. Um yeah, we paid a lot more than twenty five bucks for these tickets. <laughs> and you still won't tell me how much, huh? Nah, it's it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's you, you and Tom can buy dinner or whatever that night. I'm not really worried about that I know I wanted to go. I know we were going to splurge a little bit, and I splurged more than I wanted to, but it, it's going to be worth it. So I'm excited. I I think so, and it kind of well, it more than makes up for the fact that I was supposed to see Tyler and Sturgill Simpson together um, when they were they were supposed to tour together in 2020, 
and we all know yeah. what happens there, what happened mm-hmm. then, right? Um, so I had tickets at United Center for that for that show, and um, <laughs> yeah, it got canceled. We got refunded. Um, so I haven't seen Tyler live in about oh geez, like four years. So yeah. um, I'm excited. Well, this will be both my and Karen's first time seeing Tyler live. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, and so is this is SG Goodman opening for the Chicago show? I don't know. I I think I looked, and I, I don't think it's SG Goodman, but I'm not 100 percent sure either. Okay. I, I don't recall seeing the uh, the leading the leading act. So okay. We'll see. Whoever it will be will probably be fantastic because none of his opening acts have been disappointing to me when exactly. I've you know, seen him on a roster. Um, by the way, I almost got in trouble with my daughter. In fact, I think I did get in trouble with my daughter, but she didn't tell me um, because when the when he announced the legs uh, of the tour about a month or so ago, he announced that Hayes Carl was going to be one of the opening acts. Yeah. It turned out that it was only three shows in Texas in April that Hayes was going to be on the bill. Well, I got excited because I love Hayes Carl. I've seen him three or four times. Right. Um, and so I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Well, the, one of the dates was on my daughter's birthday. Oh, and if, and of course, 15 year old daughters don't ask questions and details before they get pissed off. They just get pissed off. So I found this out through my son who said, Hey, by the way, Katie's mad at you because you're going to see Tyler in Texas uh, on her birthday. And I'm like, I'm not going to see Tyler in Texas. I just said he's playing. I want to go. Yeah. I didn't buy tickets. Oh, so I got to, I got to f- iron that out with the, yeah, old, uh, you got to smooth that over there. Whew. <sighs> Women. <laughs> no, no, don't even, <laughs> that's a whole subset. Okay. Like 15 year old girl, young lady, maybe, <sighs> yeah. um, Whole well, different I, ball game. I'm also smart enough to know that the more I talk about 15 year old women, uh, the more trouble I'm going to get in. So, uh, welcome to Roots Music Rambler. She's Frank. He's Falls. And we're rambling on through the stories behind the music we love today on the show. Super excited. Frank, who do we got? Yes, I am so thrilled. Uh, our guest today is Nathan Graham, a Chicago artist. And if you've been listening, to this podcast from the beginning. Um, I have mentioned him a few times and um, finally got him on the show as a guest and I couldn't be happier. Um, I'm so excited for him, for the success that he has seen recently. And he's just, you know, like a Chicago guy and he's just crazy talented. Um, And the first time I ever saw him was opening for drive by truckers. And I, I think I like, put up an Instagram story or whatever. And I'm like, (laughs) he rocked my socks. Like I hadn't been wowed like that um, by a live act in a really long time. So um, that was almost a year ago. And I've been telling everybody who will listen to me about him since then. Well, and you told me about him and I started listening and I can see why you were, your socks were knocked off because he's really (laughs) good. I haven't seen him live. I've just been watching some YouTube videos and heard a couple of singles, but man, nice mix of Chicago blues and kind of an Americana sound. He's, he's got it all. He's really good. Yes, so absolutely. super excited to have him on the show. And of course, we'll also share our weekly pick in the grinning. We share our picks for whose music is making us grin the most this week. Might be new artists, might be old artists, but they will sure be good. Before we kick all that off, though, we have some controversy to discuss. Oh, uh-oh. 
So we I'm don't gonna, shy I'm away gonna, from controversy here. At no, we, no, we don't. We don't do that. So uh, Whiskey Riff, I'm reading from Whiskey Riff. Now, by the time this episode comes out, this will be a week or two old. But uh, Jason Isbell has chimed in on uh, Oliver Anthony's uh, Richmond, north of Richmond. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, I want to read off what he said, because I think it's definitely worth us uh, talking about. And of course, Whiskey Riff, you know, they've got pop-up ads and it takes you to the middle of the story before you actually get to it. Um, but let's see here. Well, I'm not even to it yet. I'm still scrolling. Uh, he says, uh, let's see, it's hard to get a message out about your political ideology or your belief about the world in three minutes and some change. But I do hate to see that song being weaponized. I see the right. Oh, that's that's Oliver Anthony's comments. See, Whiskey Riff. Get to the damn lead, would you? Yeah, right. Um, so he says, before I heard the lyrics, I was like, this guy can sing his ass off. I really do love that type of sound. I like bluegrass. I grew up listening to a lot of that and anything with a soulful tinge I'm down for. I think it was the second verse that threw me for a loop. Plot twist. I don't have a ton of opinion on it, but I did think it was crazy and it was just kind of compounded with the small town thing. Um, now he went on to say that, um, buddy, there's a reason you don't just jump in the fucking pool. There's right. something there, but that's the song you should have written when you were 16. And then when you were 19, you should have rewritten it without the part about hating people on welfare. And then when you were 20, you throw the whole thing out and write another song. So Jason Isbell, who's arguably, uh, one of the greatest songwriters of our, our generation, uh, and certainly has been on a roll for the last 10 years with yeah. uh, everything he's written just about comes out and has a very harsh songwriting criticism for Oliver Anthony, who has come out of nowhere. Um, I have my opinion on the, the, the matter, but I think this is the first time Frank you've heard what he actually said. So what's your immediate take? Well, it's um, it's typical Jason Isbell. You know, if any of if you or anyone follows him on X, um, he like he owns the joint. Okay, he can roast anyone with the best of them, and he does it in a way though that isn't completely offensive. And to someone who may not catch on so quickly, be like, "What? What is he talking about?" Right? Mm -hmm. um, but he's very quick witted and clever, and um, so reading that and hearing you read it, it. I could just hear Jason Isbell's voice saying that. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah. And just to use like that metaphor about jumping in, don't jump in the fucking pool, you know, um, that is definitely something that Jason Isbell would say. Um, I'm reading it again because I'm trying to absorb it all. Um, yeah. I mean, hating people on welfare, eh, you know, that's a touchy topic, right? Um, maybe hate the system, not the people, mm -hmm. um, you know? So now that I'm looking at the lyrics too, again, of the song, um, I, it is kind of um, not very nice. Well, you know? so here's, let me, let me interject here because okay. I've, I think the lyrics to the song can be taken a couple different ways. Yeah. I think it can be interpreted as hating the system. 
I don't think Oliver Anthony is the kind of person, based on the other things I've heard him say and whatnot, who hates people on welfare. He hates the fact that there are people who take advantage of a broken system. Um, I honestly, when I, you know, sort of read everything that Jason Isbell said, and I didn't listen to the interview, I just read the transcript yeah. of it. Um, I was kind of a little pissed off for a second because I was okay. like, look, Jason Isbell, you are the king of the hill right now. Sure. But th this guy, he's not hurting anybody. And yeah, he, he may have come out with, you know, a handful of songs. He hasn't been writing as long as you has. He's not as polished as you are. But why the fuck point a finger at him and criticize him so harshly about you should have written that when you were 16 and then rewritten it when you were 19 and then when you were 20, thrown it away. Basically, he shit on the song, which I didn't think was I didn't think was cool. I didn't think that was a classy move on his part. He doesn't give a shit about my opinion. He probably won't ever see or hear this. Right. But I don't I I lost. A, there, there's a little bit of ding on Jason Isbell's okay. belt on that All one right. for me, because I'm like, wait a minute. And and remember, I'm the guy who I think on episode one of this podcast said, I don't think there should be a rift between pop country and outlaw country. It, if the music moves the people, if it makes you tap your foot, if it takes you away yeah. from your troubles, who the fuck is anybody to say that it's good or bad? Right. And so I don't know. I just kind of chat my ass a little bit. Okay. And so if I were in the room when Jason Isbell said that, I probably would have said, wait a minute. What? I mean. It's okay to criti constructively criticize somebody's song, but it sounded to me like Isabel was crossing the line there about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fish for a headline here. I'm not necessarily going to, you know, oh. give my honest opinion. I'm just going to say something offensive and, 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 and incendiary against this new kid because I think that one line sucks. I, th I mean, I think if you're in that position and you're the king of the hill and this is a new guy to the scene and he's making a name for himself, Probably better off just keep your mouth shut. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything. But again, he's not going to listen to me. Yeah, and you know, Jason Isbell doesn't shy away from anything you know controversial, um, and he is he's very open about his politics and his beliefs. Um, so anyone who has followed him or even listened to his last three albums, you know, two albums would know. Um, where he stands on these issues. So I will disagree with what you said about um, Jason as well, you know, trying to grab a headline. Um, I personally don't believe that was his intention. You know, he is a smart ass. He, that, that's, that's who he is. Um, and so what he said, yeah, I mean, it's blunt. It's, it's not constructive, like you said, but um, that's who he is. Okay. Well, I mean, and, and again, it's just my opinion. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody. Um, no. Certainly he doesn't. And I doubt Oliver Anthony would either. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it was a little too far. A little too harsh. All right. Constructive criticism is fine. You say, hey, you know, I wouldn't pick on, you know, people on welfare as much. There's a way to 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 wordsmith that a bit so that it's sure. not so, uh, you know, abrupt and critical. But that's just my opinion. So, and we can not, Monday morning quarterback this all day long, oh, yeah. right? You know, yeah. we weren't there. We don't know if he had any time to, yeah. you know, really come up with a response or anything. So, well, and and I I'm not a songwriter, you know, and right. I I don't disagree with Jason's point. Yeah, yeah. There's some amateur mistakes maybe that are made in someone's early songwriting. And one would say, think that Oliver Anthony's songwriting is pretty early in his career right now. Right. 
So yeah, you're going to make some amateur mistakes. You're going to make some things that two or three years from now, you're going to look back and say, Oh man, I probably, I should have polished that a little bit more. Right. Yeah. He'll learn those lessons. Oliver will. Yeah. And I don't disagree with what Jason said. I just thought he was a really, I thought he was kind of mean spirited about it. Yeah. And okay. you know, it's one thing to be a smart ass. It's another thing to be a jackass. That could be a bumper sticker too. <laughs> I think we have this whole, like we have a whole side business possibility. We're, we're, we're going to come out with merch soon and that will be there. So we're sipping on a bourbon and I'm out. Uh, we'll take a quick break for a refill. Uh, take a moment, if you will, and listen to more about the awesome sponsors that help make uh, the show happen. Uh, obviously, uh, drop us an email, by the way, at uh, what? what is our email? I forget our email. Ramblers? It's Ramblers. No. Uh, I think it's yeah, Ramblers at RootsMusicRambler.com. If you disagree with me, want to call me a son of a bitch or whatever, that's fine. Just or you want to high five, Jason. Yeah. If you want to do that, too. Maybe if you agree, I'd love to hear that, too. Anyway, uh, Muskox got our beautiful flannels. Uh, make sure you uh, check out Muskox. They're at GoMuskox.com slash rambler if you use the code rambler you get a discount it's uh uh flannels that are uh soft as a baby's behind but built like a tank just like me right and so great it, flannels i've been wearing mine they're comfortable as hell karen loves them so dudes get you some uh, muskox flannels go muskox.com slash rambler use the code rambler uh ten dollars of every hundred dollar purchase uh, goes to wildlife conservation up in the Alaskas uh, to to save the actual muskox. That's what save they look the like. They kind of, kind of they look a little bit like me, maybe. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. muskoxcom slash rambler. Use the code rambler. Uh, we're going to step out, take a break. When we come back, Nathan Graham will join us. This is Roots Music Rambler. Hey, Ramblers, I have experienced a revolution in sound in my house, and you can too. The revolution is driven by Sonos. The Sonos wireless music system lets you play any song in any room, control it all with the Sonos app on your phone or tablet. Sonos has all the connections to give you millions of songs and stations, including connecting to your iTunes, your Spotify, Pandora, and more. Get a wireless Sonos player and hear the sound quality difference. Then get one for all the rooms in your house where you listen, but might be out of reach of the stereo or Bluetooth speaker you normally use. So I've got one in my bedroom and bathroom for when I get ready in the morning. I've got one in the kitchen and living room for when I'm hanging out with friends. And then down here in the office den for when I'm working or setting up for another episode of the show, I happen to like the Sonos Move, which is one of the speaker models. I can put it out on my patio for cookouts. It's a weather-resistant design, has an 11-hour battery life, so I don't need to plug it in out there when I have people over for cookouts or tailgates or whatever. And I can play music on all or just a few of the speakers, so I never lose my jams going from room to room. Try the move and hear the difference, then hook up all the rooms in your house for an excellent listening experience while you move around cleaning or dancing or whatever you do in the privacy of your own home. Listen to Roots Music Rambler on it, for God's sakes. It makes me sound even more handsome. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos, S-O-N-O-S, rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That'll take you right to the Sonos Move speaker page to purchase. I highly recommend it. And you'll love how much better your music and podcasts sound. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That's rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. 
If you listen to the first couple lines of any of this guy's music you, and you and you don't go, mm, you're doing something wrong. Word. <laughs> That's uh, Nathan Graham. Somebody Else, which is a new uh, single uh, out, and he's got a new album coming out, and uh, he joins us now on Roots Music Rambler. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I understand you uh, you played a gig tonight, so you just kind of running in from playing somewhere, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's kind of uh, it's kind of my life now. It's like I'm always like kind of running from one thing to the next. Well, I mean, that's that's what in in that what you asked for when you got into right. this business. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to happen like so quickly. Um, yeah, so that's good though. And you just came back um, from a tour. How'd that go? I did. It was good. Uh, we did a uh, an East Coast tour. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, we I, I love playing. I love playing like New York and and um, and we played Philadelphia and everything. So it's like everybody was telling me, "Oh my God, you're going to the East Coast in the fall. It's going to be pretty." So it was a lot of really great drives and. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. It was good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So uh, I, I have to start where I first uh, saw you. I, di- I didn't remember. I didn't make the connection that it was Nathan Graham and this guy that I saw okay. on The Voice back in 2017. What was that experience like? Um, humbling in, in so many words. Um, <laughs> like when you, when you fail in front of two million people. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it is a little, it's like, okay, maybe I need to you know, step back for a minute. Uh, but it was it was cool. Uh, I met a lot of really good people there, and some a lot of people I still talk to this day. Like we keep, you know, we kind of keep up with each other through Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Nice. Um, yeah, so it was it it makes you create a bond with people very quickly because you're you're sequestered for thirty days. Oh, so wow. you know, so basically you're you really only talk to the people that are in the the competition with you. Um, and they're, you know, so it's like we end up like, you know, we'll have this thing where it's just like, oh, well, you know, Tuesday night, you know, we go on over to this person's room and we're going to, you know, watch movies. And then like Wednesday night, we're going to do this. So it's like it's you start to kind of make a camaraderie with people very quickly. So, yeah. So I'm nice. curious. I mean, you know, you, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure, but you said you failed in front of 2 million people. What do you take away from an experience like that? Or what did you take away from that experience that's made you better and prepared you more for what you're doing now? Um, one thing that it is, is that, uh, that I've, I, I just kind of figured out on my own was, um, just because you are not one person or in this, in this case, four people's favorite you can be a lot of other people's favorites oh yeah um which is really nice you know the fact that you can you know it's like the voice looks for a very specific type of singer very specific type of person um and i'm i'm not in that wheelhouse and that's fine you know i'm not you know i'm never gonna fault myself for that um but it's like that moment of oh man i guess people don't really like me and it's just like no people do it's just you have to find your audience, you know, yeah. find your audience, find your niche. Um, you know, it's like a lot of the singers that I, a lot of the musicians and singers that I love 
uh, probably would never make it on there, you know, make it on The Voice or American Idol, any of those shows, you know. Yeah. So I love Neil Young and, and Bob Dylan. You know, <laughs> they ain't winning I, any of those competitions. Right. I love them <laughs> so no. much, but yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, you know, it just, it just kind of cemented that into me that I can, you can still be successful and you can still, um, do really well and not have that be the, the mainstream thing, you know? So yeah. for sure, we all have our own measure of success. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I'll say that, uh, I think you've surpassed probably, what some of the other people that have been on the show have done. You know, um, I said in the intro that I first saw you open for drive by truckers last year. And um, it's like, since then things have just really taken off for you. Um, you know, what was it like before then? Like what was Nathan Graham's life before <laughs> opening for drive by truckers last November? So it, it's, it's been like kind of a steady, a steady trajectory. You know, it's like, I, I think even before that I had opened up for Ben Harper so okay. I think I think that was the way that that went. Um, yeah, yeah. I opened up for Ben Harper. I went over to yeah. Europe with him, and oh, I nice. did four. I did three dates in Europe with him, nice. and that was a lot of fun. And um, so I mean, like it's it's always been kind of like a slow climb, you know. There's um, there's people who, you know, it happens very virally. You know, it's like it's they put out a song and then boom, they're you know they're everywhere all at once. Yeah. And then for me, it's always kind of been the road dog sort of thing. You know, it's like, I've, I've played a lot of shows. I've, I've, you know, I've played a lot of um, recording sessions. I've done a lot of songwriting. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a steady walk up a hill, but it's, it's really good. And then when, once I did open up for the drive by truckers, it was like, all of a sudden I had this whole new fan base, mm-hmm. um, you know, of people that, I, you know, I, I never would have put myself in the category of like drive-by truckers in a sense. Um, but, you know, it's like when you do kind of step out of that lane, step out of your out of your comfort zone, really, that's when it's like, okay, now people can see what this is. Now it's this whole other thing, you know. Um, and it's been really good because a, a lot of my new fans have been drive-by truckers fans, you know, or... Um, you know, I got to open for uh, Lily Hyatt. Um, and, you know, so now they, you know, so I'm not really like, I'm not straight up like country rock sort of music, but it's a variation on a theme enough that people who like that will like what I do. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It seems that those fan bases, and then uh, I have to mention that you opened for Lucinda Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that was I was so excited for you and I was so mad that I couldn't go to the show. Um, But, you know, it seems like the fan bases of the artists we just mentioned um, are going to have open minds, you know, and, and welcome this new kind of, not new, but different uh, sound, you know, than what, than the band or the artists that they've gone to see, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's really, especially with, with this type of music, um, with Americana and blues and, and rock and, and type of music is that there, it lends itself to you finding a lot of different music and, and it lends itself to that open-mindedness, you know? So it's like, I think about like my, my mom and, uh, and you know, my parents and their music tastes are really eclectic, you know, and they come from that, you know, I remember my mom telling me she used to listen to uh, uh, she used to listen to WVON, 
which was uh, Voice of the Negro, right? And she would listen to that and she would say, like, you, you would hear gospel music, you would hear rock music, you would hear, you know, blues and R&B, you would hear singer-songwriter stuff. She was like, they played everything. And I think that that generation um, are used to hearing everything on the radio. You know, now we're kind of in this thing where it's like everybody has like a, a programming and it's like, OK, let's play the same 20 songs over and over and over again. <laughs> so you can't get it out of your head. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I think that, you know, especially the people who grew up listening to Lucinda Williams, they probably remember, OK, Lucinda Williams played. And then it was like John Denver. And then it was, you know, it, it, it's like there was so much stuff happening at the same time that they could hear all that. Yeah. And the the thing too about the um the radio stations like listening like I mean how I grew up right um and nowadays with streaming there's the algorithms so you know if you listen to two songs of the same genre or by the same artist then that's all that's going to be played for you you know right exactly yeah so you mentioned your your mother's you know, listening to, to music, tell us a little bit more about your parents because it seemed uh, you kind of indicated there, they had different tastes and tell me what music was like in the home when you were growing up. Um, it was like musical whiplash, man. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean, I like I'm serious. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it, it really was, uh, you know, even now it's like, you know, my mom is a huge fan of like, you know, James Brown and, uh, BB King and, you know, uh, my mom likes everything. She can find <laughs> she can find something that she loves in every different genre of music. Uh, you know, they enter. You know, and my my dad is really more about like singer songwriter. Uh, you know, he loves a really good story. He loves a really mm -hmm. good. So he loves Tracy Chapman. He loves John Denver. He loves um, uh, Jim Croce. He loves uh, you know. But yeah, so he he really loves singer songwriters and he really likes the, you know, um, you know, when he can like when he can visualize what's happening. You yeah. know, my mom is like more like she likes that, too. But she also likes the you know, she likes the the sound of Philadelphia. She loves, you know, stacks and Motown and, you know, like all that stuff, like the bigger band, like R&B sort of stuff. And then, of course, you know, like my, you know, my dad loves Earth, Wind and Fire and, and all those people. So he <laughs> you know, he's really into that, too. So and then my on my my mom's side, um, my uncle, he gave me my first record. Right. Yeah. And it was um, it was Jimi Hendrix, South Saturn Delta. So he's like the big like rock and roll fan in the in the family. <laughs> he loves Jimi Hendrix and Rolling Stones and, you know, Robin Trower and all those people. So he he showed me a lot of that stuff. Um, when I was growing up. And so it was, you know, my dad loves Bob Seger. You know, the first time I ever heard turn the page was in the car with my dad, you know, he was yep. like, this is going to be you soon, you know? So <laughs> it was, um, you know, just feeling, you know, just having the, those, and he, he also loves Christmas music. So he's like, this is his, his time right now. Okay. Uh oh, he's gearing up. <laughs> yeah. He, he will turn on, you know, cause you know, there's, um, Whatever that radio station is that plays. Oh, the, Light the, FM. Light FM. He will turn that on right after Thanksgiving, and he will listen oh. to Christmas music from from the <laughs> the day before Thanksgiving all the way up to like New Year's. You know, so he loves we Christmas. we have to explain this for Jason because he's not from here, right? He's not from mm -hmm. Chicago. He's down in Louisville, and um, so there's a radio station here in Chicago, ninety three point nine Light FM. Right. And they start playing Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. They I actually started. Find it 
I find it nauseating, but go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> no, I, I, that's the thing is like, I like the Christmas music. I think that what they do is they find one song a lot of times and they play that song out so many times. Yeah. Um, but the, I think last year they started playing it right after Halloween. No. It was pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, and now they have like no. a, they have like competition now. So like you can call in and, and like pick the day that they're going to start and you, you'll win <laughs> tickets or something like that. So. Well, oh, I, I hate Lord. to bust I hate to bust y'all's Chicago bubble, but every city's got one of those stations. So yeah. Oh that's yeah, not no, a, no. That's not I, unusual. I am not bragging about it or I'm not trying to own it. I'm just saying, you know, we're talking about Light FM and you gotcha. Yeah. I got just you. a little explanation for you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So I you know, obviously you um when when someone listens to your music, Nathan, I think blues obviously pops, you know, almost right, right away. Um, and I can't help, but, but assume that just the fact that you grew up in Chicago has a lot to do with that. How, how would you say the city of Chicago and the scene there has impacted your playing, but then also your songwriting? Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing is like, I started playing, you know, the, the first thing that like got me in the guitar was, was that was bluesy, you know, bluesy music and that, that that really like rough sound of that type of guitar. Right. Um, and, you know, being in Chicago and being in so close to all that stuff, I could access buddy guys. I could access blues on hall. So I could access Kingston minds very easily. And, you know, it was like that showed me how to be a performer and it showed me, you know, like how to, you know, it, it really, did have this huge impact on my playing. It wasn't just like, you know, I feel I, that's the thing is like when I, when I think about blues players, you know, that didn't grow up in Chicago, um, you know, they get their blues through like Stevie Ray Vaughan or they get mm -hmm. their blues through like Eric Clapton, maybe BB King, you know, but I got my blues through like people who had been doing it on the ground level for a yeah. really long time. So it's a different sort of sound. You know, yeah. it's not the, it's not a pop blues sound. It's, it's a yeah. blues. It, it's like straight up, you know, <laughs> there's, there's acoustic blues that happens. There's, you know, like Joanna Connor, like I, I love watching her play. Um, Carl Weathersby, he's another one, yeah. you know, so it was like, it definitely helped with me not becoming like, I don't, I don't want this to sound mean, but it's like a lot of times I feel like sometimes people are like Stevie Ray clones. And, you know, I feel like I kind of, I found that, but I also like got a little bit further past it because of the fact that I was watching the people who were doing it in Chicago and like that Chicago blue sound, you know? Yeah. That's good. It's stuff. slow. It's, it's, it's slow and it's methodical. It's not, it's not fast all the time. It's like, you know, you can hear somebody just destroy your life with one note. Yeah. You know, that's what Chicago blues is. You know? Well, and, and I think that's why when I said, you know, when we first came in, you know, if you if you don't listen to a few bars of your music and go, mm, you're doing something wrong. That's why yeah. it's that Chicago blues <laughs> sort of foundation there that makes that happen. Thanks. We are we are talking to Nathan Graham. He's got a new album coming out. We're going to talk more about that and a bunch of other things when we come back. But um, I'm going to play us out to commercial with a little bit more of that same uh, song, somebody else, because it, it it makes you go. Mm. So all in unison. Here we go. Will I be your fool? Mm. Yeah. And I 
A jam. I do love this song. I love that. Nathan, do you ever get sick of um, seeing people, you know, bopping their heads like that and singing along when you're no, playing live? Not at all. <laughs> no. I would think that's why you do it, isn't it? Right. No. Uh, I have been waiting a long time for people to know the songs. Um, it's you know it's what it was really funny is that like when I like I'll I'll flub a lyric or something like that on stage oh. and then I notice people notice and I'm like, like oh they know the songs yeah. like oh, yeah. <laughs> you're you like know. oh shit I can't pull that yeah I it, it's it's I used to be able to just like oh I can make up a lyric right there and it's fine but now people are like oh I, I know this song so I was like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well you'll know you've made it when some drunk guy in the back he'll sing it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my that's that's typically my mother. She'll be she'll be <laughs> me. Like if I, she's not she's usually not drunk, but if she figures okay. out that I that I'm singing the song wrong, she'd be like, "Why? Why you wrote the song? Like, why don't you know the lyrics?" I'm like, "Oh, oh my goodness, that's such a mom <laughs> thing." That's, that's definitely a mom right there talking. Yeah, oh that's my gosh. that's fun. Oh, that's awesome. Oh goodness. <laughs> Back with uh, Nathan Graham here on Roots Music Rambler. We're obviously having a good time. And uh, Nathan, we were talking about your musical background and whatnot uh, before the break. I know before you, you know, kind of focused on your own sort of solo experience, I think you were a, you know, a guitar for hire session guy for a while, I believe, and, and did that for about 10 years. I wonder what at what point in your life as a musician did you decide to or start focusing on being a solo artist or was that the plan all along and it was just i got to do these other things to get there it wasn't it wasn't the plan all along um i so when i first started out i was i did do a lot of side musician stuff i did have bands of my own uh before that too and i had singers um like for for the songs that i was trying to write and um honestly it got to the point where i was just like I, I don't do a lot of like runs and things like that when I sing. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a gospel singer. Um, you know, it's like I kind of and all the singers that I've always liked to listen to are very like stand and deliver type people, right? Yeah. And um, they have their own sort of unique to them voice. Um, and I would write songs and then people would sing them and they would do like these, like, you know, these crazy things or whatever. And I was just like, ah, that's not how I want it to sound. So I started to say like, okay, can I do this? Can I sing? Can I get in front of the microphone? And that was where I kind of found my confidence a little bit. Cause I was like, well, it's like, I, you know, it's like, if I'm, if I'm writing the songs, I should be able to sing them. Right. And so it wasn't the, that was not the plan at all. I kind of just wanted to be a guitar player. You know, it's like, I, I love, you know, like Derek trucks and, yeah. um, 
you know, like um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, you know, it's like they all had singers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of a lot of my heroes were, you know, just straight up guitar players like Mike Campbell. Like I love Mike Campbell from the from uh, oh, yeah. Top Eight and the Heartbreakers. Um, I always thought he had like an amazing tone and could figure out exactly what sounded right for that song very quickly. Yeah, he's got like 24 guitars that he that he travels with. So, you know, he can just like pull up the the guitar for only the losers, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, like I, I always admired guitar players for a long time. So that was my goal to do yeah. that. And then, you know, my, my teacher, Fernando Jones and, and my mom and, uh, another teacher of mine, Nick Tremulous, um, they were just like, you got to sing, you got to do it. I was like, okay, fine. If you insist, well, you know, a a really great guitar player with a really great voice is kind of a rare commodity. It doesn't happen very often. And so obviously they saw something in your voice that was like, you've got a sound because there's, there's a lot of people out there who can sing, but there's not a lot of people out there who have a sound and you've got a distinctive sound to go along with great playing and obviously great songwriting. So uh, congratulations to them for seeing that in you for sure. And Nick yeah. Tremulous, he's kind of like a legend around here. Yeah, yeah. Nick Tremulous is um man, when I I first met him at Columbia College because he was teaching there. Oh okay. and um I remember I did so it was like one maybe the first or second month that I was at it was the second month I was at Columbia. And I remember doing uh, we were like, this was on an ensemble thing. Right. And I was playing, I was playing some solo on a, on a song and he would like, I saw him in the crowd and I was just like, that's Nick Tremulous, you know? So I was like, I was <laughs> like, I was like, cause you know, it's kind of, he's kind of hard to miss. Um, and he walked up and he says, who are you? <laughs> and, and I was just like, I know who you are. So we, we started talking and, and, uh, and hanging out and he, you know, he's a, he's a big deal for me, you know? Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's got to be cool for sure. Yeah. He's, he's a really great dude. So I read something uh, that was, you know, probably in one of your, you know, interviews or maybe it was some PR material or something I was looking at um, that I thought, thought was really interesting. Um, <clears throat> it said something along the lines of that you are, you have set out to break stereotypes in the singer songwriter genre, at least yeah. from an Americana perspective. And um, that resonates with me, certainly. But I I wonder if you could dive a little bit deeper in what that means to you. What type of stereotypes are you trying to break and what genre? Because I want to make sure that people understand what the intent there is. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times it was like it's sort of like the what happened with um, the separation of rock and roll to R&B. Right. Rhythm Mm -hmm. and blues. Right. So it was like, you know, you had uh, you had like a. um, you had Elvis, who was rock and roll, and then you had um, Little Richard, who was R&B. Mm-hmm. They essentially did the same thing, you know. Um, and I think that happens with songwriter a lot uh, because, you know, a lot of times you'll see R&B singer Leon Bridges. And then you'll see singer-songwriter John Mayer. So it's like there is – they essentially do the same things, you mm. know. Um and it just kind of that kind of bothered me a bit. It was like, why do why don't we get the moniker of singer songwriter? You know, why can't P 
people of color get the moniker of, of singer songwriter, you know, just because we don't have, you know, an acoustic guitar and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and bedhead, you know, it's like, why can't we, why can't we be, you know, why can't we be singer songwriters? So, you know, and I think about that with, with so many, you know, different artists, like, you know, I love D'Angelo. He, for me, is a, he writes so many songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a singer songwriter for me, but a lot of times you'll see them. And I, I like that it's, that it's changing now. So it's like, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll change that too. But, um, you know, it's like, it's getting to the point where it's starting, hopefully the trajectory keeps going the way that it does, where it's like, you know, now people of color are being, um, centered as singer songwriters, you know, right. And not just like R and B singer or yeah. um, you know soul singer or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we you know it does the same thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's the first time I've ever really had anyone point out that I guess byproduct of sort of institutional racism. You know, yeah, uh, which yeah. is I think that's what where that falls. It's like oh, we put labels on things because we've always put labels on things, but the real reason is because. Of racism, yeah. you know, it's it was there, and we labeled things one way versus another. So I, it's the first time I've ever heard anybody point that out, and so yeah. I'm, I'm thank you for doing that because it certainly makes yeah. us a lot smarter. Yeah, I mean, it was it was funny because I, I remember um, there was one day where it was one particular New Music Friday where Chris Stapleton and Kendrick Lamar came out with songs uh, at the same time, <laughs> and I remember and I put on my Instagram I said um, two of my favorite songwriters put out albums or put out songs, Chris Stapleton and Kendrick Lamar. And I remember somebody writing back to me saying like, well, Kendrick Lamar is a rapper. And I was like, <laughs> still a songwriter. Yeah. You know, so it was <laughs> because if you listen to like, for me, like I think he is one of the greatest storytellers of our time. Cause if you listen to any of his albums, Kendrick Lamar's albums, it's like, you're there you know, he puts you directly in his story. And it's just like, you're, you're a little afraid. If you're listening to that in the dark by yourself, it's a little scary. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, and I think that's, that's really the the hallmark of a great songwriter is if they can put you in, you know, in their, their story and you can, oh, yeah. you know, exactly, you know, you can, can pull from your own self-experience of like, Oh, I remember that time when this similar thing happened to me, you know, so it's, it's definitely that's something that you have to think about now. So I'm making the mental note: listen to Kendrick Lamar, but not in the dark by myself. Okay, got <laughs> yeah, don't listen to it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. If you, don't listen to uh, Money Trees um, <laughs> in the dark by yourself. That is scary. <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> as as kind of a follow on to your point, I've I've had people ask me before why I like certain artists like John Prine or Dwight Yoakam or, you know, any number of artists. And inevitably the answer is always because their music sounds like my life. Yeah. And I think that's kind of getting to the core of you. If you identify with the story that's being told in some way, doesn't have to be an exact experience, but if you identify with something about it, that song or that artist becomes one of your favorites. You hold on to them. Yeah, it it does. It really, really does. Like I, I've always wanted my lyrics to be kind of conversational, and and like you know you're, you know it's like I. That's the thing is like I write the songs 
that it doesn't necessarily have to be an artist who's having those thoughts. It could be somebody who's in finance. It could be somebody who's, you know, trying to figure out if they're going to keep going to medical school. You know, it could be anything. And, you know, having those feelings of like, I should quit this, you know, (laughs) it's like, or should I keep going? You know, that's, yeah. Good stuff. We're talking to Nathan Graham. When we come back after the break here on Roots Music Rambler, we're going to talk about the new album. Uh, And speaking of which, I think this is uh, coming out on the new album. I don't know for sure. So he'll correct us uh, during the break, and I'll come back and apologize (laughs) if it's not. But I believe this one is. We're going to go to break here with a little tune called Right One. Go ahead, Jason. Do it. Wait, wait. <clears throat> Spend my life as a selfish man. Good stuff. Thank you. Spend all of my time Sleep at the wheel Never thought I'd get too far Mm-mm-mm. I crawled out as rolling snow And I just want my story told and Leave a trail of broken heart Man, that's good. That is... Uh... <laughs> That's Nathan Graham. Uh, that's from uh, not his new album. That's actually from uh, Jam in the Van session, which you can find on the YouTubes and Spotify's and all of all those other places. Uh, Nathan, you've got this uh, new album coming out. We've heard a couple of cuts off of it tonight. Uh, you've got three mm-hmm. singles prior to the album coming out, which I think comes out in the next week or two. Uh, tell us about the new album. How did the concept come about? What, how did the songs come about? And tell us what yeah. people can expect. Uh, so actually the, the last song you played, I'll get it right, uh, is the last song on the album. Oh, good. Um, okay. And it was funny because that was the first song that I wrote. Um, and I didn't, before I even knew it was going to be an album. Uh, I had no idea it was going to be a thing. Uh, it was funny. I was actually talking to my partner, uh, Christina over dinner yesterday. And I said that, um, I wrote down in the diary that this was not supposed to work. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, I, I wrote that song um on a tour uh, a particularly bad tour and i was like in the mindset of just like okay this is going to be it for me like i i think i'm done oh, um wow. so yeah so the the whole album was basically the whole idea of saint of second chances um was just me having that cuz I, I had this band that i thought was going to work right and i like we you know i put a lot into it and and the people that were working with us put a lot into it and it just kind of fell flat, you know? And so, you know, I was, you know, I kept saying like, if this, if this thing doesn't work, I'm, I'm going to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember because the album had, had another name before it was the Saint of Second Chances. And I did not like that name. It was just like a working title. And, um, one day I was like walking up the street and it's like, it just hit me. And I was just like, that's it. That's the name of the album. And, um, 
I wrote all of the songs to kind of talk about this tumultuous time that led up to the breaking up of this band, of this last <laughs> band that I had. So it was, you know, if you talk about pride, it was like that feeling of, you know, I got it, I don't need any help. And then fake friends is like keeping people around that validate your bad ideas. Mm. Um, you know, somebody else is about the music industry and it was personified by like, you know, what if this was a person that kept kind of like calling you and being like, hey, I'm going to come to your show or I'm going to do this thing and we're going to have fun. And then like, you know, the last minute they say, don't hate me, but yeah. they do that thing, you know. So, um, you know, you can tell I have some feelings about that, but it was, um, you know, so it was basically just, you know, I wrote this song of I'll get it right to start the album. And it was, you know, at some point I just, I, I just wrote, wrote this down today. Actually, it was just like, I'll get it right. Could be a silent prayer or it could be like an indignant scream of like, I'll get this right. You know, mm -hmm. that doesn't matter how long it takes me i'm gonna do it you know or it's like that question of like i'm gonna get this right right like at some point this is gonna fall together you know so it's you can interpret it in no in any way that you want to but you know it is that moment of trying trying at something that you've been wanting for a really long time you know and now it's like now i'm seeing it where it's it's working you know, it's like, it's still like, there's still a lot of, lot that needs to happen, but it is working. So, sure. yeah. Well, I'm glad that the writing of this album pulled you out of the thought of giving it up for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and what you just said, it's like, okay, there's, this album is going to be special because it sounds to me like some of the, the best albums that have ever been made have all been written out of some sort of trauma, some sort of turmoil. And if yeah. you were in it at that moment, and that's where these songs came from, there's got to be a lot of catharsis in it for you, but probably a lot of identification in it for other people. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because when we did, so I'll Get It Right has a um, has a lyric in there that says, um, um, too much pride to cry, right? Um, so it was like that was – that is very much, and I remember we did a video for it, for this, uh, for this company. And the, the guy was like, I really want that to be the focus, like the too much pride to cry lyric. Um, because there's so many people who don't feel like they can, yeah. you know, and don't, you know, and they just bottle it up. And that, and that's what I was doing a lot of times is I was, I was bottling it up. And I remember I was on tour with my, with, with this, with this other band, not the, not the band that broke up, but I was on tour with this other band and, you know, I would talk to my, I, I talked to my dad almost every day and he, um, you know, we were having a conversation and he would say, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. So, you know, I'm doing all right. And he knew that there was something else wrong. And then finally he got it out of me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's what I wanted to hear. He's like, I knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something happening. I just wanted you to admit it. So it's like that lyric of too much pride to cry. It was like that, that was me for a very long time. You know, it's like, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I was going to, it is what it is until it killed me sort of thing, yeah. you know? So, um, it was, it was catharsis to write this whole album and finally like get it out and, you know, have people resonate with it the way that they did, the way that they do now. So, 
And I, I mean, the, the title of the album alone, I just, I adore it. You know, the saint of second chances, um, you know, when you announced it, I think it was, I, I don't remember the first time I heard you talk about it, but um, you know, I was like, Oh my God, that is perfect. I love it. Like I, I felt it, you know, like I, I, I get where that's coming from. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to hear it because it's, I mean, from what I've heard, the three, the three, well, I guess four songs that I've heard, maybe a couple more, but the three that are the singles that are out now are fantastic. They're the ones that make me go. Mm. So I'm, I have you. a feeling there's going to be a lot more mm's when I'm listening to that album. So. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I definitely want to make sure that I get to see you live. So tell us about uh, the tour schedule support for this thing. And please, yeah. dear God in heaven, come to Louisville. We were, that's, that's on our list. Uh, Louisville is on our list. Um, so we're doing a, uh, album release party on October 20th, no, October 19th, uh, at Fitzgerald's. And then, um, we have another, uh, we have, we're bookending, um, we're doing like a album release show East and West, right? So we have the West, which is, um, which is Fitzgerald. And then we have the East, which is uh, uh, sleeping village on November 18th. I'm really excited for those shows. So October 19th, it's going to be uh, uh, myself and Sarah Jean Stevens uh, that who's opening. And then um, November 18th is going to be myself, the Nets and um, Megan, the wheelers opening uh, for, nice. that, for that show. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And then we have, um, we're, we're confirming some dates for 2024. Uh, a lot of them are Southern states. Louisville is, is hopefully included. Um, Louisville, Nashville, Indiana. So we're going to, once we, once we firm those up, I'll, I'll let everybody know and put it up on the website and everything. Excellent. Well, we'll, I will definitely be keeping my eye on it because I'm definitely coming to see you live. Even if I have to drive somewhere else to see it, I want to, Thank I want to see that live because I have a feeling I'm going to be as blown away by you live as as Francesca <laughs> was. So that's good stuff, Thank man. Uh, so uh, you mentioned the website. Where can people uh, find you on the on them their interwebs? Sure, uh, it's Nathan Graham Music on everything. Uh, <laughs> website, Instagram. I made it real simple. I was trying because I don't like remember a whole bunch of stuff, right. so, <laughs> and I can't remember a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so yeah, Nathan Graham music across the board. Very good. Well, Nathan, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, I know you were playing a show earlier tonight and you're busy as hell with this album launch. And we really appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us and share a little bit of this, uh, this music with us. Thank you. Hey. Thank you for, for allowing me to, to show up late. I apologize. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh my goodness. Of course. <laughs> and you know, Nathan, um, my kids texting me from the other room saying you better represent Jones. So, uh, so Jason, Jones College the, Prep, yeah. Yeah. Jones college prep. That's the high school that right. Lucia goes to my daughter okay. and um, Nathan graduated from there as well. It's, oh, nice. it's a prestigious school. It's like ranked as one of the top public schools in the country. Um, and so <laughs> they need to test more if I've graduated from there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, my kid, she loves the fact that, you know, I know someone who's famous that went to Jones and it's a, a good, um, yeah, she gets really excited about it. So she texted oh, me, you. you better represent Jones. Okay. <laughs> so I had to say something. Okay. You, yeah. can, you can, you can tell that she, Lucia that we, we got Jones on the air and we got yeah. her on another show. 
So. I know <laughs> my kid has made appearances, Nathan. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good. All right. I'm going to play us out. Uh, I'm going to go back to the first one we played. Cause I like it so much. Nathan, man, thanks for uh, hanging with us, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sick of waiting on your call. You promised that you'd be there. Mm. Welcome back to Roots Music Rambler. It's time for Picking the Grinning. That's where Frank and I tell you who we've been uh, listening to lately. He's making us grin by their picking or whatever. Um, and, uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I have to admit, this is not a roots music or an Americana thing, but I want to encourage all of you, especially those of you who are children of the '80s and '90s. Um, a few months ago, it might even be a couple years ago now, because I just kind of found this on YouTube. Um, but there was a, there are a couple of studio session tracks uh, that were recorded by one of my favorite bands of all time. I'm in, I'm, I'll admit it publicly here. And I have been watching a couple of the tracks over and over again just because they sound so perfect all of these many years later. And that's Tears for Fears. Um, they uh, recorded, uh, there's Everybody Rules the World is in there, um, and a, a Mad, Mad, Mad World, I think, and then a couple of others. But they recorded it relatively recently within the last couple of years. And it's just them in the studio. Um, and they've, you know, come back and they've got a new album out and all this kind of stuff. But I've been for some reason watching it over and over again and they just sound pristine. They sound so okay. good, uh, with these studio performances. So I've been looking at those. Those, those are on the YouTubes. Cool. Um, so we'll share a link to uh, one of those videos in the uh, show notes of this episode, uh, so that you can find them. But I've been enjoying some, some good old fashioned tears for fears. There you go. Nice. Little, little throwback. Little throwback. What about you? To when, to when we was coming up. Yep. Um, so um, I've been listening to a, a really um, wide array of music, a little mix. Um, I was turned on to this one artist that goes by the name of Black Belt Eagle Scout. And um, it's funny because it. I found out about this artist from a friend of a friend um, who said that I resemble this artist, right? Um, she thought that I looked like her. Okay. So um, I'm like, oh, well, I got to look her up, right? So I did. And the more I started learning about her, I'm like, okay. So she kind of like really embodies the spirit of Roots Music Rambler. And I'm like, we got to get her on the show, this and that. So I've been listening to her music. And um, she's a Native American woman from the Pacific Northwest and um, uh, her music, you know, the, the lyrics that she writes, um, a lot of them have to do with her roots. And, um, I think there's even a song like my blood runs through this land, mm, you know? Okay. So like, it's really like embedded. Um, and it, it's not folky though. Like the sound isn't very folky. Um, so it's kind of interesting, right? You've got like the, the folky lyrics and, um, but the sound is just completely different and I'm really digging hmm. it. Well, I mean, from a distance, yeah, I guess there is a little resemblance there. I pulled her up on the phone here. 
well, you guys sort of kind of look alike. I wouldn't say, you know, you're twins, but. Right. Yeah, I mean, you got the I, same. You know, I mean, like the olive skin, the, the dark same, hair. Same coloration, dark hair. Yeah. yeah. I, I, get, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get her on the show. Yeah. I'm, I I would love it. That'd be cool. So Definitely something it's, different. Yeah, especially, I mean, the the whole point of the show for me really is to find people who are making music whose roots are very, very different right. than ours or everybody else's. I think that's kind of the spirit of Americana. And so she sounds totally. perfect for this. Love to get Agreed. some uh, indigenous people, Native American, you know, musical influences. That'd be really fascinating. Agreed. I like that. That'd be good. All right. We got to um, work on that. We, we do. We do. We do. That'd be good. I had another something else I wanted to mention that I was uh, listening to. Oh, oh, I know what it was. So uh, I'll give you another one. I know I talk about Karen a lot on the show, and she gets embarrassed and tells me to stop it. But um, but she has a lot of influence over what I listen to, not that she makes me listen to stuff. But she'll say, hey, you should listen to this artist because I like them because of this. Or she introduces me to new music. Um, you know, we've been dating for a couple of months now, so I'm still getting to know her, which means I'm still getting sure. to know her album collection, her, you know, her tastes and whatnot, but on Spotify, which I'm, I'm not a big Spotify user. Um, okay. I have the Apple, I have the Apple music, um, but she's introduced me to a couple of things on Spotify that I really like. And she recommended a playlist, uh, that is, uh, uh, managed or curated by cornbread cowboy, C O W B O I. Um, who is really kind of obscenely hysterical on Instagram uh, and or TikTok. Um, but the the playlist is this incredible mix of old school country okay. with a little bit of Southern rock and a little bit of new stuff. And so it's just a really interesting playlist. So um, for those of you who are watching um, on the screen, I'm not, I can't get too close to the camera, but it's the yellow square in the middle with the, uh, guy, car cartoon character in a cowboy hat, right, right over yeah, yeah. there. That one, um, yeah, cornbread cowboy, c o b o i. So search for that playlist on Spotify. It's actually pretty, uh, pretty good. And that's you know, the name I, of the playlist, not an artist. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. it's cornbread country club is the name of the playlist. I think oh, it's okay. got like ten thousand saves. Whatever that oh. means. Again, I don't know Spotify very, very well. That's a better look at it right there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's him. And like I'm, I'm looking down through here and it's, you know, a lot of Merle, Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. Oh, boy. Some John Conley, some Hank Williams Jr., uh, Tim McGraw, David Ball, John Anderson, Randall King, Keith Whitley, Alabama. And this is some, some old school stuff in there. Um, a lot of George Jones, a lot of Dolly. So cool. Well, well worth listening to. I, I've, I've been enjoying it. I've played it Good. a few times. Good. So there you go. All right. All right. Uh, well, I guess what, what you got anything else before we wrap it up and get out of here? Uh, no. I mean, by the time this episode airs, I think I will have gone to a couple of shows. Yep. So, um, you know, I'll have some stuff to talk about in the coming episodes. Cool. But um, yeah, I think we're pretty well caught up. I think we are. I am uh, just by the way, uh, uh, by the time we this airs, I will have already done this. But uh, the next week when we're recording this on Tuesday night, little diversion, uh, not too far off the beaten path in live music, but it's going to be an interesting event. 
Uh, uh, Karen and I are going to see David Sedaris, who is coming through Louisville on a book tour. Oh, and cool. Doing a reading and a Q&A, something or other. So I'm hoping that I get to uh, meet him and tell him my uh, funny story about how David Sedaris got me out of jury duty. And so I will tell that story to you now. I feel um, like I've heard this. This was in, I don't think I've told it on the show. If okay. I have, forgive me for the repeating it. But I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I got called in for jury duty. I lived there for about five years, right? Uh, about 15 years ago or so. And I got called in for jury duty. And that was right when his book Naked had been published. Mm -hmm. And I bought it to have something to read while I sat and waited on jury duty calling stuff. And I got called back for a, a, a juror selection in a trial. And I'm in, in the room with, I don't know, 50 or 60 other jurors. And they're trying to whittle it down to the 10 or 12 they have to pick. And they're going one by one and asking each juror questions and either accepting them or, or, or eliminating them. And they get to me. This is Birmingham, Alabama now, fairly conservative state, very, fairly conservative city. And one of the attorneys says, sir, did you bring anything to read with you uh, during your jury duty this week? And I said, yes, I did. He said, what did you bring? And I said, uh, naked by David Sedaris. And he said, you're dismissed. <laughs> so thank you, David. I hope thank I get a you. chance to thank you in person. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's fun. Oh, my goodness. Roots Music Rambler is a production of Falls and Partners, copyright 2023. Our theme music is Sheepskin and Beeswax by Gentacorum. Join us online at rootsmusicrambler.com and make sure you mash that subscribe or follow button so you remember to join us for the next hoedown and throwdown. She's Frank. He's false. And whatever you do, kids, ram along. <laughs> <laughs>